Baker, who is a doctor in psychology. And we have an exciting program for you today. I have again uh, with me my guest, uh, Ron Jolson, and we're going to continue to talk about finances. But one of the things I want to let you know in January, please, in January, join me because I'm going to go through the uh i'm going to go through you are prosperity and i'm going to use it line upon line giving you scripture going through different things so that you can see you as you truly are now i want you to press that button and have people to share let people know that we're on and uh just get excited for uh you know just get ready for an exciting thing that's going to help you to move into your new year properly so without any further talk i'm going to welcome my guests welcome ron Come on in. All right. Good All to right. be with you again, Apostle. <laughs> okay. So you're going to talk about today the eight S's for success in business and the principle of business. And so I'm really excited because this is your last time with me for a while. And you notice I said for a while. And uh, uh, because you've been a, uh, you've been a, a, a wonderful guest and I definitely want you back. So I'm going to let you go ahead and do most of those things. You know that I'll probably jump in there and ask a question or make a comment. But anyway, without any further talk, I'm going to let you go ahead and start. Go ahead. All right. That's awesome. So I thought it would make sense. You know, we've we've spoken now for three weeks. It's our fourth week and we've covered a lot of grounds. And I thought, you know what? Uh, there's a framework that I use for decision making that covers a lot of the things we've already talked about and maybe some more things that we'll cover today. Uh, but I thought, let's start with these. They are um, tests for decision making. It comes from somewhere else where I don't remember. I studied it somewhere. I got it. And but I really adopted it for my own. Um, and so these S's, uh, I think, can be really helpful as you go through your day to day activities and in, in the business walk to keep you sort of kingdom-minded and kingdom-grounded. Um, the first one is really a, a simple one. It, it's a, it's the first S is a scriptural test. You know, has God already spoken about it in his word? You know, if you're wondering whether in business we're supposed to be generous or whether we're supposed to uh, tithe even in a business sense, you know, if it's already in God's word, you kind of know the answer. You may not like the answer, uh, but I don't think we're uh, we're called to like everything, but we do believe everything. And we know in the bottom of our hearts that when we follow God's principles as laid out in Scripture, it really is the best for us in the end. So the scriptural test is one of the easiest if you can find it. And of course, we know 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration and profitable for doctrine, proof, etc. So uh, it's true in business. And so that's the first test. The second one is, uh, I'll call it the secrecy test, but it's really the old uh, New York Times test or the Wall Street Journal test. Uh, if you were to do something uh, and it was known by everybody immediately, would you still do it? And you really need to be able to say you're okay with it. And you know that's just another way of saying and remembering that God knows what you're doing, of course. Uh, we cannot keep any secrets from him. But if it makes it easier for you in a business context, I use the New York Times test with my uh, with people who report to me who are not necessarily Christians. They may not fully grasp, hey, God knows what you're doing, but they do get the New York Times test. 
and so that is a way of employing God's principle in a way that even non-Christians can understand and uh, you can be a good leader by uh, making sure they follow that as well. Uh, and of course, that's Proverbs 11.3, a uh, good man is guided by honesty. And there's more there. So I'll let you look that up. Uh, the next one is uh, the survey test. And this is also a good one for leadership. Uh, when you're thinking about doing something, uh, how would you feel if everybody followed your example? What if all the people who work for you did exactly what you were doing? Would you feel good about it? Or would it make you nervous? That is one of those heart tests uh, that I think can be really helpful. Um, uh, look up 1 Timothy 4.12 and you'll get uh, a little bit what I mean behind that. But anyway, so imagine it that way. And again, that's another one that even uh, non-Christians that are working for you can understand that one. Um, the next one is, is tougher, and it's, it's a spiritual test. Uh, and am I being pressured by the world, or am I being spirit-led? Those are questions to really ask yourself when you're about to make a move. Um, I was had a, uh, discussed a real estate tra transaction recently with a family member, uh, and this really came up. And, and they just felt like, um, you know, they should have this particular real estate property. And I really realized they were under pressures that were really not from the spirit, but were really based on their own circumstance, a little bit about what their friends were doing, a little bit about uh, what was kind of expected with respect to the world. They were going to take on a lot of leverage. Uh, which is a bad principle in general. Uh, and so I think that is a that spiritual test is a really good one. Uh, am I being pressured or spirit-led? And Apostle Baker, are these uh, these resonating with you at all before I continue? I have to unmute. You know they are because okay. this is the way I live my life. If I can't find it in the scriptures, I don't want to do it. And uh, if everything that's hidden, everything that's hidden, the Bible says is will be revealed. My mother said, if you can't say something, if you can't do something that you want everybody to do, then don't 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 un, don't, don't raise your dress like that. You know that's the way old people used to talk. And the survey one, I think, is really fabulous because it's a kingdom thing. Do I want people follow me as I follow Christ? And uh, being pressured to do anything, when you're pressured to do anything or you do it because somebody else is doing it or it's going to make you look good, you know that that is the devil. As my little <laughs> granddaughter would say, it's the devil, great-granddaughter, the devil. It's not God. It's the devil. So keep on. This is good. All right. These are good. Okay. The next one comes out of Romans 14, 21, where we're really commanded not to do anything which might cause our brother to stumble. Um, and I call it the stumbling test. You know, could this cause somebody else to stumble in some way? So really, really think about the action that you're doing uh, from a biblical perspective. You know, sometimes this is as simple as what, it's, what it sounds like in Romans, where people like to go out for drinks after work. And, um, and I know that there, there may be somebody in my office that has a little bit of an issue there. I'll suggest something else. Hey, we can go bowling and laugh at each other as we throw the ball into the gutter. Uh, but but I think about that um, all the time. You really don't want to cause somebody else to stumble in any way. Um, the next one is yeah, um, I throw something in yeah. there. Something okay. That plus, as a believer, 
then people look at us and they expect us to live a higher thing. And I tell people, if you're going to drink, if we're believers and you're going to drink, do it in your house. Mm -hmm. Don't drink with unbelievers. It, 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 it doesn't, it, it, it's not a good thing. You know, it, it's like, you don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing because your left hand may need you in order to help them to get into the kingdom. So that's a, that's a powerful one. I just had to interject that. That just, ah, that just jumped right. up at me like a big dog, you know? And, and, you know, you and I think about this often in a church context, but we need to think about it in a business context as well. Because, the, yeah, the world doesn't necessarily get this one, but, um, you know, God's wisdom is, of course, supreme. And, and I think we need to be aware of it in business, too. Yep. You talked about something on one of the programs, and this is something that is really good. I'm not going to live a, 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 a churchy life and then live a world life. I'm not going to live two lives. Who I am, you see me in the church, is who I am in my business. And if that's not the thing, if you got, if you, if you got to play a, a, a switch grab, then you, you have a real problem. Who you are, what you see is what you get. That's why you're on the really telling it like it is program. <laughs> so do not hold back on any of it. You don't need to right? be. Yeah, yeah, it's true. What you see is what you get. It, it doesn't, you know, I don't have to try and be, I, I don't get dizzy trying to find out where are you? Are you in the church or are you in the, no, who I am is who I am. So go for it. And, and maybe for, you know, for people who are struggling with that, you know, then use your behavior at church as the model that you should model for the rest of your life. Okay. So if you are stumbling with that, all right, well, you have a model. It's how you behave when you're in church. So try behaving that way outside of church and you already know what to do. <laughs> so, you know, we want to be, uh, we want to recognize that people are at different places in their walk. So uh, you, you can use your own example as an example. Uh, the next one is uh, the serenity test. Uh, and it's really, have I prayed and received peace about the decision? Now, for me, uh, this used to be mostly just about the prayer. Um, but, you know, in the last couple of years, I really have gotten from the Holy Spirit a sense of peace around decisions that I make or I'm planning about. So when I pray, I am getting the answer through really my heart. Uh, and so some of that is about listening. You know, it's not just, you know, pray and give me a sign whether I should do this. Pray, listen, and then do you have a piece about it? Or is it that kind of sandpaper feel that you know there's something not right in your spirit? And so this is much more than just simple prayer. This is really about your walk. It's, it's really about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And are you communicating? Because if you're not, you may want to spend more time on this than anything else we're talking about, because that relationship becomes the beginning of uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you in your life and really in your business life in this case. Um, so that's uh, for that. Uh, look up no, Philippians 4, no, 6, and 7. No, yeah. That. On that, I want to throw this at you too, because one of the things that you do when you don't have that serenity, when you don't have that peace in there, when you got that, as I call it, then what you're doing, you start, many times you go and you try to convince someone else that what you're doing is right so that they can give you a false agreement with it. Uh. 
And you mentioned something earlier, and that just came to me. If I'm going to have to convince you yeah. that this is right, you know, defending yeah. something that you really don't feel right about, but you got to get enough things. Well, I, I went and got found counsel, you know, and yes. this is business. This happens a lot, especially in, I'm in real estate uh, also, and, and I do other investment things. But, you know, a lot of times you, is and if we have time, I really want you to, you know, you can do that because you know what, you know, what people try to convince you, you know, you, you know, they over explain their, their mess to you. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you mentioned real estate. You know, I have never made a real estate broker that didn't want to close the deal. Right. They may be the worst people to ask for advice about a real estate transaction. You know, I told a client just the other day, here was here was the thing. She was trying to she was working on selling or buying a property and whatever it is. And here it is. I'm saying you need to go back to that lower price property because I think you're happier with that than whatever it is. And she looked at me and I mean, you know, it was like one of these things. We don't hear that. See, I'm more interested in the person because the person is the one that I want relationship with. I don't want relationship with a few dollars. I mean, you know, here's a $30,000, $40,000 commission. Okay, I get $40,000, but then I lose a person in the midst of it. That just happened recently with me. You know, here it is. I referred something and whatever it is. And the way that this woman was going after it, I mean, you know, it was a, a $1.4 million property or something like that. And they were getting three percent. Well, you know, here it is. She got. She was. She was. It was. It was horrible. And I'm looking at it. And I'm saying, this is not the way you do business. I mean, that she was a non-believer, but that has nothing to do with. It. She says she's a believer, but I'm looking at non-believing in that. But right. you, you're greedy over such a little bit of money. Yeah. I mean, and if it was forty billion dollars, it would still be a little bit of money when it comes to relationship. My relationship with you means more to me than anything that you may have. Wow, and and so now you've made me think of something else, of course, which is, you know, when you have uh, that piece, when you have what you feel like is a, a decision that is consistent with God's will. And how often do we second guess ourselves? And then we ask some other expert and say, you know, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? And they come down a different way. Next thing you know, you're convinced uh, that you should go in the other direction. And now how often have we said, if I had only listened to my, quote, initial instinct? Well, I submit that for us, maybe that instinct was actually communication with the Holy Spirit. And you went kind of went against that and you took man's wisdom over God's wisdom. So that's an extra layer of expertise or an extra layer of um, uh, testing, if you will, that we have to do and really think about is our initial uh, belief in something, is that coming from the Holy Spirit? Is it consistent with scripture, all these other tests that we just talked about? Because if it is, be really careful about counsel from somebody um, particularly in this real estate case where they have ulterior motives or they have a conflict of interest. That's a big red flag in this whole thing, right? It says confer once you've heard from the spirit of God, then you got to practice that. Then, then, then don't talk anymore to flesh and blood. That means even to yourself, because that's the biggest flesh and blood that you're going to talk to that, that, that whatever it is. I mean, the word of God gives us that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Okay, the next one I call, I'll call it the sanctification test, is the thing that I'm considering doing, 
Will it keep me from growing in the character of Christ? Or will it help me in growing in character of Christ? Now, by the way, I, I think about this a little differently. Uh, our mutual friend, uh, Apostle Robin Beach, has had a really wonderful thing to say about sanctification. Uh, and he says it this way, sanctification is less about your changing and more about you recognizing what it is that God has had for you all along. And you are becoming uh, and transforming into that origin that he already saw for you. Uh, and so the sanctification actually becomes discovery of what it was that God had intended for you all along. I love that man. When he talks about that, it just it, I just get completely covered. Uh, but anyway, so in this case, think about what you're doing. Is that moving you on your journey? Is that helping you in your discovery of what it is that Christ that that had has for you? Uh, if it is, that may be an indication you should do it. And if it doesn't, you, maybe you want to go 180 degrees in the other direction, right? That's a good one. Um, think about 2 Corinthians 3:18 for some uh, scriptural back, you know, backup of that. Um, the next S uh, is really the last one, and I call it the supreme test, and it's a real simple one. Uh, does it glorify God? And 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Well, you know what? That includes business, too. Uh, and so think about that, uh, you know, as kind of the supreme test. And, and, you know, it's one of the reasons that the business event activities that I've gotten into, particularly in the, in the last 20 years, they all have a, um, I'm not going to say a spiritual element, but, uh, you know, I've been involved in the business of helping people with financial security, uh, investing, doing things that kind of help them achieve that. And, and to me, that, that has a, uh, a consistent with God in terms of of the vision and the goal of what I'm trying to do. So that may actually be something to help you decide whether the nature of the business that you're considering is one that you should be doing. For example, if you want your new business venture to take advantage of the new gambling laws in New York State, that may not be uh, something that's going to ultimately um, glorify God. So it could be a, a test that you use to figure out whether you're you're actually getting into the right, you know, the right kinds of businesses. So those are those are my eight uh, tests for not just decision making, but really behavioral tests, uh, if that makes sense. You wanted to talk about seed time and harvest. And you also, I mean, because we have time, we have a whole seven, six or seven minutes left. You wanted to talk about the principle of seed time and harvest, or how do you use the priority uh, uh, principle? So yeah. let's, let's let you dwell, delve, into, delve into those. Go ahead. All right. Let, let's get into seed time and harvest. Obviously, this has been laid out, you know, from the very beginning, Genesis chapter eight established seed time and harvest basically forever as long as the earth endures seed time and harvest cold and heat summer winter day night it never ceases um and so this principle is in everything you know we've talked about i think in one of the earlier uh broadcasts people uh talk about that they're going to give money you know after uh they're going to give money to god after they get it but it doesn't work that way you cannot reap before you sow <laughs> 
So before you have a harvest, you have to have a seed time. By the way, Jesus also affirmed it in Mark chapter four. Uh, that's when he got into, you know, one of the kingdom of God is like a man scattering seed on the ground. So he really talked all about seed time and harvest in that parable. Um, and so uh, I think it is a principle of business that is incredibly important, but I think it's worth maybe digging into a little bit what we mean when we talk about it. Um, and there, there are a number of principles. The first one is basically you're going to get what you plant or you sow. Uh, and I think people don't realize this is not just from a positive perspective. This is from a negative perspective too. If you, if you're going to plant um, discourse and trouble and uh, you're going to reap discourse and trouble. Uh, and you know, if you don't sow, you don't reap. Uh, but but that that is a that is a real thing and a real problem that people don't realize that it's positive and negative on top of that. Um, I do think, though, in terms of seed time and harvest, we're given quite an advantage. If you look at uh, Galatians chapter three is all about the fact that we're blessed through the seed of Abraham, which is Christ. And through our faith in Christ, we are actually entitled to those blessings. So seed time and harvest works its way, you know, really all the way through the, uh, the planting and the sowing that Abraham did. And we actually can, can uh, assume that promise for ourselves. So, um, you know, taking our faith to work um, produces blessings within our work environment in the same way that um, we're able to take advantage or get the blessings of what Abraham did way, way back when. So uh, I guess it's a way of saying that seed, in effect, contains uh, DNA, which is passed on through generations, right? Isaac received uh, blessings from Abraham, uh, and so we do too, not by who we are, but whose we are, I guess, which is Christ. <laughs> so uh, don't forget that some of the original sowing and reaping happened when Adam and Eve failed and uh, failed, and God declared that the seed born of a woman, um, was going to crush the head of the serpent. And uh, so, you know, that sort of whole DNA process, uh, that's really was a form of seed time and harvest. But also, you know, when Mary was told that she was going to bring forth a son, the Greek word that they used was tiktu, which literally means fruit produced from a seed. Okay, so this is a fascinating thing. Uh, this using this metaphor of seed because what what do you get the seed from? The plant has to die before the seed is ultimately employed, right? So there's a death associated with the planting of the seed. Well, what does that make you think of? It makes you think of Christ, right, and his death. Uh, and so the seed time and harvest really works its way through everything in the kingdom. Uh, and even Christ, who's who's considered the first fruits, um, uh, there's this concept and notion of seed through our own uh, salvation. So the second principle is, uh, you know, we reap good harvest if we persevere, if we stay at it, right? If we just plant seeds and we don't do anything, nothing happens. So and this is in business all over the place. We have to be diligent. We gotta, we gotta keep the weeds out. We gotta keep the animals out. We gotta, we gotta nurture that seed. If you have a venture capital idea that you are, that you are employing, uh, you know that you ha really have to protect it. 
you probably have to put more of your own money in it first, right? If you're going to make it work, you, that's a form of watering that seed. Um, and so you're going to have to keep working it. And by the way, in this principle, uh, in uh, Isaac, in Genesis uh, chapter 26, I think it is. Don't hold me to that. Um, Isaac sowed into famine. Okay, he planted the seed and received a hundredfold in that year, even though there was complete uh, famine. I'm sure people thought he was crazy to sow into a bad condition. That is really, really important. You, If you're in trouble in a business environment, don't just stop planting. You got, <laughs> you got to keep going, right? Yeah. So that's exactly the case with uh, uh, with Isaac, and is true for us at World. And and for me personally, I have found that when I'm running into trouble like that, I shift into extra service mode. When when uh, the 2008 was going on, you my people saw me everywhere. I was like sewing into the people that work for me. I was pouring into them. I tried to pay them more money than they than they imagined they were getting, uh, because I really wanted them to know that in this time of trouble they were needed more than ever, and so that really paid off. And it really, it was a form of seed time and harvest. Um, so that's uh, that's something we need to understand. By the way, we need patience because the third principle uh, is you generally reap in a different season than you sow. So we got, we have to have patience. I mean, look, the Lord knows He has patience in us, right? I mean, what? Patience. What? <laughs> as, as my as my brother would say, my God, how are you? You're talking about patience. That means waiting for a while. Wait on the Lord. It takes time to plant your garden. I mean, anybody who has a garden gets this, right? How long do you have to wait for those seeds to become something you can actually eat? I mean, it you really have to uh I mean it's such a perfect analogy seed time and harvest. We plant in the spring, we harvest in the summer. Uh and there's a lot of time between planting and harvesting. Uh so we we need to understand that too. And boy, you know it happens with uh disciples when we disciple people, sometimes we don't even see their progress or their growth. Uh, you know, my spiritual father, Michael Fram, I think he, you know, he looks at uh, my wife and I and because he, he really has poured into us. And I, I just see us changing like crazy. And uh, so maybe maybe he didn't have to wait as long with us as he as he has had to. Uh, but for the most part, you got to be patient uh, before you start to see things really stick and take hold. Um, so sometimes you wait years. Uh, but I think what I want the point I want to get across is it is really true for people you invest in. Uh, it is the the reality is that people will sometimes take a long time in human terms, but boy, is it worth it. Um, and since we're but we're talking about business, I also want to say that seed time and harvest is a is. Can I you put it thirty seconds? You got about thirty seconds, so go uh, back. Mathematically, okay, compound interest is seed time and harvest. Really quickly, if you save $100 a month from the age 25 to 35 and never save again 10 years versus the next guy who saves 100 a month for 20 years, 45 to 65, at 10%, the person who saved 10 years and stopped 
has 406,000. The other one has saved 20 years, $100 a month, only has 76. Why is that? 76,000. Seed, time, and harvest. Compound interest. It's the mathematical principle that proves the point. And, and it's an algorithm. It's a it's a picture on the inside of God. The next time we're together, I, I so appreciate you being here. I'm at, you know, this is a great way to end the new year. I mean, to come into the new year. And we want to thank all we want to thank all of you for joining us. And we want to thank Ron. And if you take this, I mean, listen to this, take notes on this, go through the scriptures that he mentioned, and I guarantee you things will change in your head. Mine is about the head. It will change in your thought realm. You change your thoughts, you'll change what you do. People do what they do because they believe what they believe. Again, this is Apostle Baker, J. Baker, who is a doctor in psychology. That's why I always end with so much your head, okay? And Ron Jolson, who is a, a fantastic person and in finances and uh we'll see you again he will be back and we say bye-bye and have a happy new year bye-bye <laughs>